Hello and welcome to another episode of the Nissan Nerd Podcast. My name is Mike Delashman and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Miles Hall. Hello everybody. Today we have a different type of show for you. This is our first interview and one of many to come and we're very excited. We were grateful to speak with Mr. Josh Martin, who is lead technician at JDM Legends, uh, their garage out of Salt Lake City, Utah, which specializes in importing, restoring, and the sales of vintage Japanese sports cars. Uh, he also stars in a series on the Motor Trend channel under the same name, uh, JDM Legends. What do you have to add, Miles? Yeah, so uh, Josh is actually uh, the lead technician. He also refers to himself as the bearded one um, on JDM Legends. Um, so uh, Josh was nice enough to come on the show. He's been a uh, friend of the show for a while. And uh, we were going to talk about everything of how JDM Legends kind of got started, um, you know, how it was during production, what they're working on now, and then what's going to be coming up here in the, the season two. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy our interview with Mr. Josh Martin. Welcome, everybody, to the Nissan Nerd Podcast. Um, we have a special guest with us here today. With me, as always, is Mike D., but we've got josh martin from jdm legends visiting us today what's up guys josh welcome <laughs> thank you and uh josh is here with us to kind of talk about everything about the shop uh, what's kind of going on with them and uh and talk a little bit about himself now uh mm -hmm. josh um jdm legends if i'm correct the uh, uh the shop itself was founded in uh, about 2008 2009 is that right yes sir 2009 Nice. Okay. And uh, primarily you guys are uh, setting up for restorations, uh, sales, importation of uh, a lot of the, uh, just I guess in general with uh, still a lot of the Japanese vintage stuff, right? Well, pretty much. And, you know, like as the business started, um, it started with Eric and uh, Trey Cobb, who owned Cobb Tuning, which some of you may be familiar with, like the Access Ports and the Subaru, stuff like that. Yeah. And basically mm -hmm. uh, Trey just started a business where he was bringing in Subaru parts and stuff to sell. From Japan and then he ended up uh, accruing a private collection through his other endeavors and he invited Eric over one day because he needed help with something and you know keep in mind this is you know North Salt Lake there's not a lot going on so you know Eric goes up there cool whatever they open the garage door he has uh, an R34 an R33 GTR R32 he has a Hako wow. and just a S15 and a couple other cars and they're just sitting in this garage you know and this was like 2007 or 8 I've seen all the pictures of these cars. They're, they're super nice. Like, even then, you know, and that just kind of turned into a business. Like, mm -hmm. Eric had never seen a, a vintage car before, an old Skyline, or, you know, he's never messed with carbs or anything before that. And so they, they figured it out mm -hmm. and uh, decided to start a business. And the reason why the business came to be is because, you know, when you're buying a Neo Classic, like a lot of these places, they're pretty pretty easy to flip honestly like a lot of them you know you can detail fix a couple of things do some maintenance and sell it and that's pretty simple but when you start getting into the older cars you know like the z's and stuff like that like they require mm -hmm. everything and so it doesn't make yeah. sense you know if you're going to import a car if you can't support that car you know because yep. like you you want to stand by what you sell you don't just want to send off a hako that needs everything to some random guy in like kansas and you know he's just completely lost and scared over time, uh, you know, that, that turned into different kinds of clients. And then, you know, the market changed. And here we are today, which is pretty crazy. You know, you mentioned uh, Trey Cobb and whatnot. His headquarters is actually up here in Austin. And uh, we've had, he's had a few dino days and a few uh, garage nights. And I want to say I've probably seen this. I, I, I This is literally about, you know, maybe eight years ago, but it would be, you know, I saw an S15 Sylvia and the R34. I probably saw the same ones, you know, it seems like he probably took them with him, you know, but uh, they're amazing to see. That was the first time I'd seen them. So I think I, I can understand the feeling, uh, how, how awesome it is. But uh, the funny part is, uh, you know, JDM Legends wasn't even supposed to be here. So when they figured out oh, yeah. that it made more sense to have Cobb tuning in Austin, he wanted to move Eric to Austin and his family. So they actually flew him down there. Oh, wow. And uh, 
just it, the weather and everything it just wasn't really up to standard for what eric wanted just because he's used to here like we don't have humidity like we don't have any of that so like that just stayed here and so he ended up going there and not moving with him and he kind of worked remotely for a while mm-hmm. until uh he wanted to get out of it and then uh, eric took over the business from trey and then right at that point is when i started working there I, I don't blame the humidity though, because uh, yeah, that's not it's not fun. <laughs> the, the hundred, the hundred days of a hundred here in Texas, yeah, it gets a little old sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like we get mainly like if it's raining, it'll be like forty percent humidity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's nothing here. <laughs> you're, you're practically swimming every every day during the summer. You know, that's what it feels like. Yeah. So before JDM Legends, uh, I mean, what what were you uh, what were you doing before that uh, opportunity kind of came at you at the time? I mean, uh, were you a tech somewhere? Were you uh, already doing oh, yeah. restorations? So uh, pretty much like at my my high school had this like a, as I call it Skills USA, I guess, which is you know like skills trades in high school. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was interested in becoming uh, like a software engineer and stuff like that. But then I met my auto teacher who just left the field like the year before I was in his first class and he worked for Honda and uh, he was a master tech there, like platinum two and all that. He'd been there a while. And, you know, after talking with him and, you know, kind of feeling out the career path, cause I wanted to work immediately. Like I didn't want to like leave school and camp and wait. Like I was just one of those. So anyway, I, I ended up talking with him and he sells me on this idea. He's like, yeah, dude, like this is the money I was making. He was like showing me that he's like, this is what you can do. You know, like you just gotta be good. And he started like training me kind of. And so when the time came to do internships, which Skills USA offered through like local dealerships and stuff, mm-hmm. I went for that uh, early because I was like, I had to get a parental signature for work release because of, you know, child labor laws. Yeah. So here I am at like, 15 <laughs> years old, like working at Honda under a master tech as an apprentice. And I ended up sticking with that pretty much. Like I, I left that same dealership and I went to work across the street for Mazda. And uh, that's okay. where I was at when I graduated and was able to go full time. And then after that, I went back to Honda. I went through, I did all my certs. I was doing most of my ASCs in high school because they paid for it. So I had to wait till I was 18 to get my L1. Oh, which that's is, exactly know, like, what I was going to ask. I was like, oh man, yeah. I, was like, you, I was like, you were right up there for the L1. I was like, good job, sir. So, like, right after I turned 18, I got that. And, and I, I went to just through, like, manufacturer training and stuff like that, which the money was great. Gotcha. I guess the best money I've ever made. But it was pretty soulless, you know, because, like, I had passion in cars. And uh, mm-hmm. my first car was old, and I've just always been into the vintage stuff. But, you know, I, I knew that that took money, and so I had to work for it. And, you know, when you start getting into these circles, you start coming up on deals and like finding other passionate people and then you get sucked in. Like yep. I'm sure a lot of us did. But anyway, you know, like after a bit of that, I kind of reached my peak at Honda and I was like, you know what? I'm done. Like this is just soulless. Like it's just, you know, a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you can they don't only care. so many brake jobs you can do and so many diagnostics oh, yeah, you, you know, can run. You're just like, oh. yeah. And like my, my problem is you know, my grandpa had a tv repair business when i was a little kid and he used to fix like tvs like computers a lot of electronic stuff like even microwaves and things like that but he taught me how to read like schematics and solder and do all those things so then by that by this time you know i'm really good at electrical diag and that's kind of like my thing so they end up sticking me with all that which is you know like you know if you're a tech like that's just straight time like that's not flat rate time Yeah, and, and of course, if you're the only one in the dealership that can do it, you're gonna get stuck with all of that. While everybody else gets stuck with like gravy jobs, so they'll get you're, like, you're known you know, as as that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the problem solver, <laughs> yeah. dude. I've, yeah, and then like whenever they had a like a carbureted Honda or something old, they would give it to me always because nobody wanted to touch it. And you know, <laughs> kind of like an, like it wouldn't work on anything that wasn't. I didn't have a Honda badge on it. Like if a Chevy came in, you know, and it. Even if it needed a headlight, they're just like, ah, you know, like crossing their fingers and they don't really want to do that. So I was just like, you guys aren't technicians. You know what I mean? Like you're Honda technicians, but you're not really technicians. And like, I don't really respect that. But I think that it shouldn't matter. So behind the dealership, I met a guy, uh, his name was Jamie. And he had a little performance shop that he ran on his own. So he would like bring parts in and sell and stuff like that. So uh, I ended up getting into the Honda game. And that was when I started 
really doing like swaps and turbo builds and like crazy NA stuff and just whatever like through him and I really liked that so I ended up just saying like screw Honda I'm gonna come work for you full time and let's figure this out no I was with him for probably a year um so anyways I I bought a couple project cars just because you know I had the money and the time and I had a a 73 Toyota Corona Mark II wagon which is like super rare yeah I had 70 521 I had a 88 B2200 like flatbed truck I built that was my daily and I had some stuff like that but uh, I had to buy some wheels for my wagon and I was like man I gotta talk to JDM Legends you know so I went over there and it was the first time I really ever talked to Eric like I've been to some meets but like I didn't know anyone there and like he was nice to me but like most people there wouldn't give me the time of day just because I was young whatever so I ended up going to the shop and he has a set of uh, SSR Mark 1s and I'm like, yo, like I need these wheels. <laughs> <laughs> they were staggered. Like the fitment looked dope. So I was like, I need these. And uh, he's like, oh, okay. And then he started talking to me. So like, what do you do? And that turned into the, the shop truck actually ended up just getting its engine put in and like the engine bay done, but it needed to be wired. Mm-hmm. And they were having a hard time like figuring that out and getting it running and like converting the ignition over. So I was like, tell you what, you know, like I'll buy these wheels and I'll come in and do this consider it like a not like an like like a, what do you call it like not an apprenticeship like an internship like an inter- uh-huh. yeah like, i was saying like, kind of interview yeah, like an audition <laughs> or something yeah 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 so like i ended up getting it running probably uh, like an hour or two <laughs> that easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was like oh that's sick and then uh i ended up learning about how the company was changing over to his ownership and then the other two guys that were there left so then it was just him for a little bit and he was having me work like part-time whenever he needed a project done but not like every day and then eventually that turned into every day so it's just the right yeah. timing then oh it's awesome yeah. man and and being a naggy bitch because <laughs> <laughs> i was like yo like i want to work here like you have to work for me like you have anything yet like come on dude He's nice. probably pissed, but that ended up turning into something good. All right, so let's talk about um, you're now kind of at the shop at this point. Um, you know what's happening from that? I mean, wh- what's your what are you kind of doing day to day before uh, the whole JDM Legends things begins to start taking off? I was just doing like like diag stuff, like inspecting cars that come in, like figuring out you know problems with them from Japan. That was my first like real knowledge of like you know like the the cheaper japanese craftsmanship and like what you really get versus what you think like you expect you know fast and furious but it really wasn't like that at all mm-hmm. which i you know I, I always thought the movie was dumb but you know what i mean like everything's like the sick shit at the time like you know nopey tuner vision all that but like it was nothing like that at all well i think you know because it was it was nostal- like I, I think you and i had talked a couple times before and it's like you were a, a big fan of like nostalgic uh hero and uh and a lot oh, of yeah. the um the period correct stuff and, and and the true jdm stuff i hate to say it but that word can be taken and and there's a stereotype that kind of comes with that and um i i know you uh you were very um hesitant to i, I guess carry that label i i still don't like i think jdm itself is just japanese domestic market that's all it means to me it doesn't mean anything else or more, you know what I mean? Like, it does represent a culture, but, like, there's so many subcultures in a culture. It's like saying, like, every EDM song is techno, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really work. You know, like, people listen to techno in, like, 2002, but, like, outside of that, not really. The first car I got there, man, it was a Toyota Crown, like the Kajira Crown. It was 73, and it had the, the M engine, which was the 2-liter single overhead cam, and it had problem that eric never heard of like carbon tracking in the distributor you guys ever heard of that so this had an issue kind of like that but it was still points you know so like that car is cool so it came with uh, a couple carbs that look similar to like the hitachi carburetors on dotsons everybody calls su's but you know it's kind of like a toyota specific thing but it still had points so that this bushing was so blown and the pcv system was restricted that it was literally just blowing spark out and so I had my wagon, and I had uh, the intake manifold from that, which was the 4M. That was the 2.6, which they never got because of the displacement tax. And uh, a lot of the stuff bolted right up. So I was able to do uh, a 38 Weber Outlaw setup because those carbs needed parts, and I couldn't find anything for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
And then uh, I ended up pulling the spare distributor I had for my other engine for that car and putting it in that and getting everything working. And that was kind of eye-opening because I'm just like, all right, so it's just old shit. You know what I mean? Like everything's brittle and like valuable and you got to be super careful with it. And yeah. That was frustrating at first just because I went from like literally doing PDIs, like brand new cars all the time. But I ended up, you know, like really liking it more and more the more I did it just because I realized like how little opportunity like people get to do stuff like that here. Especially, you know, like English speaking countries where they just don't have cars like that anyway. And, you know, I was like, this is dope. So, like, I just want to keep like staying in this niche, like market and just, you know, keep going. You know, distributor tuning and carburetor tuning especially are two niche, you know, that's a that's an art form nowadays. Most mechanics back in the day could do that. But these days, oh, forget about it. So, yeah, I think you're definitely got some some job yeah. security doing that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are at this point, um, you know, you're you're doing repairs on, on customer cars. You're taking in work and, and the importation. Did, was that always a constant thing at that point? You were still bringing in a lot of stuff at the time. Oh, yeah, it was way more than now. Like we imported all kinds of stuff. Like it was like every month there was three or four cars like on the, the truck, like ready to come in. I'd, like there'd be a container that we had to figure out how to unload, which we have a good process for and because uh, they, they just drop it on the semi trailer in the in the lot and leave, and they're like you know eight feet off the ground or seven feet. <laughs> <off>. <laughs> you can't just you can't just get a forklift and lift the thing. You don't want to do that, I'm sure. <laughs> oh no, yeah. So, like you you have to break the custom seal and you go in and there's like crazy like Japanese spiders and like weird species of spiders like you've never seen before just in the corners and you know it's super dark and hot. Because, you know, it's a container. There's no air. You have to <laughs> all the cleats out. You have to undo all the cables, you know. And then you have to be like, all right, now that all this is done, which takes forever because most of the stuff is stripped out. Mm. Like, now will this car start at, you know, 4,700 feet and idle long enough to, like, get off the truck? Like, are the batteries dead? Like, you have to do all this, like, instant yeah. diagnosis on the truck just to be able to get the car to be able to come out on its own power. And then we built these ramps that go right onto a flatbed tow truck. Okay. We just drive it right on that, sit on our brake, remove the ramps, <laughs> and we close it down, and then we drive right off the tow truck. And pray you got some pressure in the brakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, do you guys got like a catch system for when the brakes fail? No. Like a net, a safety net at the, at the end of the driveway there. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. It's not like yeah, one not big guy, his whole job is to catch the cars. So, so if we, we had a car or a couple of cars that lost brake pressure somehow. And basically what we did is we just, we built a strap system off the rear control arms that went onto the tow truck, like the cable. Oh, nice. So we would roll it onto the truck and then hook the cable up and then lower it that way and push it inside. Oh, man. So I guess that would kind of be a safety that's a lot of work just to get it out of the box, so to speak. Oh, yeah, like, like just to get it out of the trailer. Like, it's like a couple of hours. <laughs> like, like, 10-point process to get that done. Wow. <laughs> you know, I, I'm curious, man. It's like, how did how did the actual, I guess, uh, I'm assuming you guys were approached um, early on. And then from what I've uh, I've read about and what we've talked about, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. So, you guys were approached you know, early on to do a show, but you know, it wasn't, wasn't quite lining out with the expectation of what you guys wanted to put out as a product or if you even wanted to do it. Is that right? Exactly. So the first thing uh, they pitched us, it was called like master and apprentice. And basically what that was, was I had to like, you know, Eric and I like had to teach a 15 year old kid or like 18 year old kid, like how to restore a car, which like you couldn't pay me enough to do that. Like I, I love teaching, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't sign up for that, so it's like I was under a lot of workload and stress, and there's like no way in hell that I was just gonna be able to stop everything I'm doing and still produce billable work because it's just Eric and I. So like, like, if you take me out of the shop or both of us out of the shop, like nothing's getting done, and so no money's being made. So like that didn't make any sense, and so we we said no, and then uh, they sent another producer out, which ended up being the one that we stuck with like to, to sell the idea to the production company and and he did what was called the sizzle reel which was uh walking around the shop you know like taking some footage he interviewed uh you know myself mauricio and eric 
and it's kind of asked, you know, like, what got us into it, like, what we think about what we're doing, and then he created a video out of that, which, you know, like, the video itself was okay, but the, the problem I had was at the beginning and at the end, it zooms in on the shop, and it plays, like, you know, the, like, sitar, pretty much, okay. which wasn't even Japanese, <laughs> and then it had a gong noise. It was all bong. And it was oh, like, my yeah, God. There was an actual gong oh. in it? Yeah, and oh I'm just like, there's God. no way in hell on that space. It's like, too, you're not using that in our show. Like, there's no way in hell that that would ever fly with me or Aries. Like, that was <laughs> and so, like, you know, like, what's funny is they pitched that sizzle reel to Velocity Network, like, as it was. So, like, there was a, a team of people in this boardroom, like, watching this. And they all loved it. They thought it was great. And I was like, bro, because like you know, they've never had a show like that. They've never had a Japanese-based show, especially like classic Japanese, like yeah. the whole import, like restoration thing. That's never been done. So they were completely on board with it. Like they thought it was fine, but it was not. And we made that apparent. And so they ended up making a lot of changes for us, just because like we simply would not do what they wanted us to do, which yeah. probably ended up hurting us in the end. But you know, like, you see some of these people on the shows, you can tell who, like, the golden children are at the network just by how they act. You know, like, they're, they're built for television. Like, before the sizzle reel, you know, like, Eric yeah. had been interviewed, but, like, for a magazine or two. You know, nothing, like, on camera. And, like, I had never been interviewed on camera before, and I was nervous as hell, really through, like, the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. Just because I was learning, like, how that works you know i had no experience it's just like all right we're filming and you're working just do you and i'm like uh okay (laughs) can can you wear this bandana while you're at it they're trying to like change your personalities and stuff and like oh yeah yeah like (laughs) to create drama that didn't exist and we said hell no (sighs) biggest drama on the show is like oh the the welder like water line split like oh god let's cut to commercial like will they ever fix it you know what i mean like (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't like Paul, Paul Sr. and Paul Jr. like breaking doors off and beating each other. <laughs> Tattoos? No, hell no. <laughs> we never wanted to do nicknames or like, you know, because you see all this stuff. And, and uh, I told Miles this and I'll say it for the podcast. But, like my problem with most car TV isn't necessarily like what they're building because everything's different tastes. And I understand how customers work. Like a lot of customers want you to do things that you don't want to do. And that's okay, like to a degree. You know, they, they have these personas that are just gnarly and they have this look, you know, it's like, and they have the nickname and they have all that. And, then, and they're pretty much overselling themselves. So then when you look at the actual product, like, you know, whether it's your taste or not, like some people think it's sick, like a lot of people hate it. The people that hate it now hate you more because you oversold everything based off of your persona. Yeah. I agree with that. Oh, for sure. I, I think the way y'all handle it too, just, just by watching the episodes, here, here's the thing is that jdm legends the even the website came onto my radar fairly early i'd say you know 2012 2013 and at least for me there was this aura to it even you know the the logo that you had and i just and i would see the cars that you had on the site the yeah would yeah would feature certain builds or cars for sale and you just see how clean and, and how clean the cars were and I got a sense even then of the integrity of the build and, and, and that's so obvious. I mean, I could just tell that, that y'all had respect for the car getting into the show. I could sense the same thing, how you said you, you were being true to yourself. Re- restoring a car is a challenge, were, but there's uh, no drama to it. Not yeah. as much drama as yeah. you think. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you were uncompromising, you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, you guys were unwilling to, to make a change that was false and, and you wanted to make it more about the cars, which, you know, nobody really does that. You know, nobody really takes the, um, the opportunity to stick to their guns when, when something like this is presented to them. And it's so easy to kind of take the opportunity and take the fame and the, and the publicity that comes with that. But for you guys, I mean, it's almost as if the, uh, you know, the cars become the co-stars and they get the mutual respect that they deserve while they're, while they're going through their process of restoration and, and upgrade, depending on, depending on what you're working on at the time. But again, it's like, uh, you know, my, my hat's off to you guys and, and the show. I think it's amazing yeah. um, that you guys, again, are uncompromising with everything. Thank you. Yeah, man. And like, you know, like after watching all the car shows as a kid, you know, like I, I just learned like, like I, I want to be known for two things. Like one, I want to be known 
for being good at what I do and for being that guy that does that. You know what I mean? Like, I would, like if you think of a, of a Hako, I want you to think of me or us. You know what I mean? Like, that's all I want. And, like, the, the validation from, you know, fellow Japanese shops that I've looked up to forever. Yeah. Just for, like, you know, like if, if, if they appreciate what we do, you know, if they think we're, we're uh, you know, stealing from them or, you know, appropriating, I guess, would be the, the piece term for that okay but you know like I, I i ended up achieving those things you know all through that and that's all i really wanted and then once i started talking to people at harsha sema and you know like we did a lot of other stuff like jccs and things like that like people were literally blown away and that made my whole life you know i mean like i will never forget those experiences like meeting everybody and like think, seeing how much it meant to them like what we did on tv which you know i for me that's like my daily life and i get used to that but you know like like for a lot of people like they just they're so stoked on that and even you know I, I get calls from older guys still all the time they're like you know i never wanted any of that jap shit when i was a kid but like <laughs> damn do i want something like that like how much one of them things cost and we end up talking about you know like their muscle cars that they've had and, and then like you know like what what we had on the show and they're asking like specific questions and then we end up becoming friends you know like two two demographics that would normally never merge end up becoming cool and that was kind of like the point with the show i think like also from velocity standpoint because they approached us they're like look man they didn't say that but they're like look you know like our our median age group is pretty much boomers which is fine but they're trying to, you know, get younger people in and like younger people are tired of seeing, you know, how many times can you restore a Nova? You know, yeah. like there's there's just an allure to what we were doing and what the network was doing and kind of like merging the worlds, if you will, like between the the old and the new generations. Cause you know, we get calls too, like dads, you know, like it's not really my thing, but like my son loves it and we've become bonded and I thank you guys for that, you know, and just stuff like that. I think is awesome. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, you, yeah. uh, all right. So you're getting a lot of fan base. I mean, how are you dealing with the notoriety? I mean, I, I, it seems like you're handling it well, but I mean, when did it, you know, uh, when was that first moment? Like, Oh my God, like people are asking me for signatures and I actually made it and people want my, want to take pictures and selfies with me and I can't <laughs> even get a bite to eat at a restaurant because people are hounding me. Has it gotten like that yet? Or, or do you feel it's like yeah, that at this point? Like it never bothers me you know i mean like like the first time i really noticed anything like that was when uh, we went to jccs the year after the show came out and dude like we we rolled up it was like we were like rock stars man like everybody was waiting outside there's like you know a thousand people or 800 people whatever in line and we just walk right by and everyone's like yo it's those guys like what's up and i took the like six or seven hundred photos like i signed so much stuff uh, a little kid left early with his dad and he ended up seeing me and recognizing me and he like handed me his Hot Wheels over the fence to sign. It was so, it was like, I, I, the best word to describe it, I guess, would be wholesome. You know, you mentioned earlier about even the shops out of Japan and you you had that, that uncertainty whether uh, you were worried about what they thought of the shop, perhaps. Has any of those, have you ever had communication with any of the shops out of Japan and have they ever given you any feedback? Oh, yeah. So, like, the, the first one I, I had that was notable was uh, Shoji Ino from Star Road. That guy is rad. So, like, you know, he's, he's always traveling around the world to shows, and he does everything. You know, like, he has his brand, and they have their own parts now. And, you know, it's pretty big, but, like, he's always been an OG. Like, I have a, an old DVD of him. He's just It's just him driving around uh, Tokyo in his Hako at, like, 3 a.m., and, like, gets a coffee out of the vending machine, and some guy goes by on a motorcycle and he's like chasing him down. Like to me, like that guy was like smoking about it. You know what I mean? Like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, like I, I roll into that JCCS, the same show. And uh, I pull in Daniel's car, the Z, which I drove from his house, which is awesome. It was like 50 miles away. Best 50 miles ever. So I, I pull in the parking lot, right? And I, I immediately recognize him, but I see he's setting up his booth, which he always does this, like a, uh, it's like an electric train set, like around the car. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, like, he was setting all that up, and I, I pull in, and he smacks the guy who's, like, his translator, and he's, you know, a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He's, like, yo. He's, like, pointing over to the to me, and I, you know, pull up and park and sit just because I'm trying to figure out where my space is. And he runs over with his translator, and his translator's, like, uh, Mr. Shoji would like to see your car if that is okay. And I'm, like, hell yeah. Like, if anybody I'd want to show, like, what I did, like, hell yeah, like, what we all did. 
that was a pretty mild build, honestly, like comparatively to like the bluesy we did, which was already done when we filmed. So I was I was just curious to see what his thoughts were. And he went over the whole car, you know, I opened it up, he was under the dash, like looking at how he mounted the seats and like how we did the interior and the engine bay and everything. And he was just so blown away. Wow. And he was like, This car is amazing. He's like, Thank you so much for like being respectful to, you know, our our culture and our style and not trying to change it too much, you know, like everything you did, it was exactly what would be done in Japan. And he was like super stoked. And that that honestly like melted me, dude. Like the whole rest of the weekend, I was just kind of in like, did this yeah. guy just? Talk? <laughs> that was awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's some great validation as well. That's so great, man. You're 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 in the ranks, you know. You're first of all, they always say don't meet your heroes, but when you do, and then they say something nice to you, like, oh my god, like it just makes it so worth it. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then you know, like the, the problem with Japan is the same problem with America. You know what I mean? As far as like the older and the newer generation, like there's still some out there that are salty. About what, <laughs> yeah. or like they, they feel like you know, the cars should never leave the homeland, and you know, like we have no business like touching an S twenty at all. Like how dare we disgrace the brand, you know, and like stuff like that. And that's that's fine because like I respect that old school shit. Like we need more of that in our world, you know what I mean? And that also motivates me to do better. Hoping that you know, like by the time our show aired in Japan, which actually wasn't that long ago, it was like five or six months ago it aired. And it's like a bilingual version on Turbo. But as soon as it happened, I was starting to get, like, even on Facebook, like, tons of requests from all these Japanese guys that just have, you know, like, laurels and hakos and bluebirds. And and they send you the message, you know, it's like, thank you for the ad and, like, the picture of their car and, like, all these cool emojis that they made and stuff like that. Then we just end up talking, like, through translator mostly just because a lot of the, the older generation just has a different way of typing kanji. I don't like our parents when they text. (laughs) <laughs> so you know, there's there's a lot of similarity between nice. you know like us and them, honestly so you but, uh you grew up on a lot of the old school stuff like i mean you were following the old i guess the old hyper rev bibles and all that kind of stuff i mean you you were in that for a long time it sounds like oh yeah dude like in, in middle school is when i made my first uh, japan partner account and i was watching auctions and i was like seventh grade and i got kicked out of computer <laughs> For doing it actually <laughs> dude that's all, legendary all that's awesome team, bro like math i had the it was the rx7 team and i had like a bunch of fds that i like made a collage of and then like the spine had the mazda emblem and the rx7 emblem like labeling it i had like an r34 one i just had a bunch of different ones that i made as a little kid it's just kind of the dude that's awesome wow. man so, yeah, I mean, I can't talk to it enough, Josh. I mean, I, I'm truly impressed with the show and what it really represents for the scene, man. I mean, you guys have really done a great job with it. You guys are done with, obviously, the first season. I mean, um, how long did that take to shoot? It was like 11 months in total, like 10, 11 months. And so they're doing second. Have you guys started shooting second season? I mean, right now, I guess, with Corona and everything, it's kind of probably been weird. And how's the shop dealing with everything right now? That's- as of right now, we're not filming at all. Um, after the first season, we hit all the, the margins that they wanted us to hit. Like, we were the second highest viewership in network history. And then that was uh, overshadowed by the company merger when they went to Motor Trend. And then we didn't hear anything yes. from them forever. And then, like, a lot of new shows weren't getting renewed. And then they hit us with this new whole show idea where it was kind of like an Anthony Bourdain thing where it's like, you know, like, it's not so much build focus. Like, you guys will probably do a couple, but, like, a lot of it will just be, like, traveling and, like, going to different countries and, like, talking to all these people and whatever, which was cool. But, you know, they weren't really going to pay us to do that the same or less than before. So, like, we wouldn't be able to run the business or, like, provide a livelihood for ourselves, and we would just specifically be doing that. So, like, that didn't really make sense either. And so we ended up not doing that. And they're like, all right, well, we'll come up with something. And that's really, like, all I've heard. We haven't tried to push it at all. Like, it, it took a lot out of us that year. Just because, you know, like, like if you look at Bitch and Rides, you know, like Dave Kindig, amazing businessman, he can leave with Kevin forever. And he has 37 employees, you know what I mean, that, that keep the wheels turning and running while he's gone. Ah. If we leave, no one's there. And, like, you know, like, we lose the business because – to, to take over the company for that short time and like pay us all to do that like they just don't do that like season three is when you start getting endorsements and things like that but like one and two are kind of feelers as far as that goes and like there's really not that much money in tv that people think there is 
So like, you know, that was kind of it. So it's like it's like we love to do it, but like we don't want to kill our business and what we're doing in the first place. Yeah. And we also don't want to starve. You know what I mean? I would have thought you guys. I mean, I would have thought it would have been a no-brainer. I mean, but the merger does make sense. I mean, the second season. I mean, I, me and Mike were talking about it. You know, the other day while we were kind of. Sp- uh, you know, reviewing a lot of the episodes, and we're just like, man, it's like I can't believe that I don't see a release date on the second season already. But yeah, I mean, it it makes sense. We're still in the top viewed on Motor Trend. Like we're still like up there. Isn't that nuts? Isn't that crazy? That <laughs> it's like I don't know. I don't. Know, it's like I having would... a un unsigned like professional athlete, and you're just like, uh, do you like, take advantage of this? It's like LeBron James is still unsigned. You're like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling they're going to come back and give you a deal that you want. I mean, I, I hope that for you, something, something that you that you would find favorable and still true to yourself. Well, the funny part is, like, even after that, like, I was getting like tons of job offers from just all these random like crazy shops and like crazy positions. Where, like, <laughs> would you like to come work here and all that? And, like a couple of them, I flew out just to check out. You know, I was like paid to work for the week and see, and you know. It was just, it was cool to work with like-minded people. Yeah. It was just me and Eric, you know what I mean? Like, nobody else here does that. So it's like, you just feel alone after so many years, and you're like, am I good still? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, like when you haven't, you haven't turned hours in a shop in a long time, and you're like, can I still beat flat rate? Like, am I still, you know, do I still have it? And I had it, which was awesome. And that, like, proved to myself, you know, like, what, where I was at at that time. Like, I'd actually gotten better. overall dude like i'm a technician like first and foremost like i respect the trade i respect other technicians you know like they're my friends like i get it but i'm always looking out for that aspect that's just like how i've always been you know and like also seeking like personal growth and just getting better now i wanted to talk a little off uh off a couple uh things that i i noticed and i've been following you like me mike and and Isaac have been following you on Facebook for a while. And I got to ask, I, I know that you're a cat guy, but I got to ask, um, where do the cats come from, man? I mean, it, it seems like you've either been collecting these for a while. I mean, did they come out of the, uh, of the containers when you, when you got some of the cars? I mean, what, what's, are they JDM cats? I mean, what's the deal? What's the deal with the cats? Oh, oh, dude, like not, not at all JDM cats. They're, they're they're U.S. domestic cats. USDM cats? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so pretty much, like, I grew up poor as shit, and, like, we were always in apartment complexes, and, you know, like, no one ever let us have a pet. And I was never allowed to have a pet ever. And then when I moved out, you know, there were no pets and no pets. And then finally I got into a spot where I could have a pet. And, you know, that was when I started getting, like, additional cats. But my first cat, actually, I got in a place where I wasn't supposed to have a pet. And... The landlord said that they were going to kick me out, you know, if I didn't get rid of the cat. And I'm like, hell no, I'm not getting rid of the cat. So I just got a different place. From that point on, I just ended up uh, adopting two more. They're all rescues. Nice. That's awesome, dude. I love cats. I, I, I love cats and dogs. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that splits the fences, but I also I love cats, too. They're all great for their own purposes. You know, what's funny is cats in general, my family has had a few, and we never decided to adopt them they kind of adopted us they just kind of came around and they just stuck around and and we were totally open to them and and uh man they're just great though Uh, did did you ever get come did any come to you that that way as well yeah like i I was taught by a wise person that had a lot of cats in their lifetime and they said uh like you know you you can go into this like choosing the cat if you see the cat first but the cat always chooses you yep and so, you know, like, you'll, you'll go in and you'll sit and, you know, and you'll be in this room where there's, like, 20 or 30 cats walking around, like, say, like, a humane society. <laughs> and you know how cats are. Like, they hate each other. They don't want to be in a small yeah. space confined with each other. They all want their space. So then if they're able to sit in that and be chill and approach you and sit on you on their own accord and let you pet them and be into you, then that's your cat, like, straight up. That works. So... I'm I'm living proof of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you carry yeah. that philosophy like into into project cars or your own personal cars you're picking up? Like you know, if it just if if the if the planets line up, then hey, this is my ride. A hundred percent, dude. Like I, I I'm not like a conspiracy theorist or like some weird like uh, spirit rock person, but like I definitely believe in that. You know, like because I I got my first cat, like she was super sweet and shy, and I was like maybe she just needs a friend because she was kind of bonded with the other cat she was with at the time. Then I got my male, 
like they, they were great together and i was like well what if i got a third and the third one you know is great but they have their schools because she was a street cat kind of and she she's the smallest one of all of them but she doesn't take any crap <laughs> it's all right. yeah, but you know they're, they're good they're great i love them so you're uh what are you rocking these days like uh what are your what are you personally driving these days your own vehicles I uh I just have my Civic right now that I'm driving my seventy seven my first year. Yeah, nice. What do you what do you got your eye on? I'm trying yeah. to find a first gen prelude, to be honest. Really? Yeah, like that's oh. that's always been something I've wanted and anytime one comes up it's just either beat or like a bad time where I can't buy it. So I was hoping to find like a seventy nine and eighty one and just kinda oh, like wow. Bit because like I'm I'm swapping mine right now. I have a, an A18 out of the second gen Prelude, which is from a, a Honda tuning build I saw a long time ago. It was a 85 DX and it had the A18 still in it. But I ended up doing like head porting and like you know a little bit bigger valves and stuff and higher compression pistons. And then they did uh, the Speedline DCOE manifold and they ran a couple Weber 45s. That thing put down 210 and it back then. Wow, <laughs> and it's, it's a 12 valve. I was like, hell yeah. So then when I had my last first gen Civic, I was like, oh, I want to swap this. So I bought an F series from the cord, like the, the F22B single cam. And uh, I had everything fitted and ready to go. And I had too many cars at that time. So I just had to get rid of the project. But that always made me wanting another one. So I ended up buying this one that was like completely virgin, just a local car, never been modified at all. Like it still has the jewelry catalog inside from like 1984. From the little old lady that owned it, <laughs> I, yeah. I left that in there. But yeah, like uh, I was looking into that swap because I always liked that Prelude. I just always been a Prelude guy, and uh, that's actually pretty much a direct bolt-in into that chassis as it is. Like the mounts and everything are the same, and so I was like, hell yeah! Like I just want to do a cool DCOE build on like a old twelve-valve Honda engine because everybody does B-series swaps. Like I'm, I'm tired of that. Like K-series stuff is sick. That's where the power is. But dude, it's just been it's been done so many times. Yeah, for seventeen years now, like that's a long time. So uh, let's go back to, uh, I guess, what the future of the of the shop is. I mean, obviously, season two is kind of up in the air, but business as usual. I mean, you guys still um, uh, working on everything, importing everything at this point, and into the swing of things. Yeah, yeah, like we've done less importing uh, as of late, but we've done just more like big builds. And just like wrapping up everything we've had because we're still like a year out on work. But uh, if there's a cool local car, we'll always bring it in. And you know, we have some long term stuff and we're doing builds for people in like Florida. And uh, we're getting the, the prima donna Z in pretty soon, which will be sick. Um, Eric's been doing a good job. Eric Knudsen, who owns it, and his wife Allie have been working on it together. Uh, that's been wow. super cool. And so they're going to ship that to us. It's a uh, jet fire or jet lag, sorry. Huh. That car will be sick to do because that that one started out as a Scarab Z, originally. And really? That was the only okay. Madonna Z that had a V8. The rest of them were just body kits. And so I've actually met you know like Michael and the guy that built it uh, back in the day, which I don't know if you guys met at ZCon, but he was there with all the Scarab guys. The Scarab guys. That was a big thing uh, last year. That was super cool. Those guys were sick. But um, yeah, like that. That's a pretty interesting car. And then like it's gone through a lot of transformations over the years. But it's Probably the most radical Z I've ever seen. You uh, you went to Branson last year, obviously. And uh, what, did, what were your takeaways from, uh, from ZCon 19 out there in Branson? Oh, dude, that was like, I, I went into that not really knowing what to expect just because I've been to a lot of car shows out here. But, dude, that was amazing. Like, everybody was so nice. And, like, you know, my girlfriend's from Tennessee and I love people from the South in general. So I just, I, I love that ideology and, like, the hospitality and just, everybody is just kind of like a no bullshit you know like i'm, I'm here to do do it and i leave and I, I respect a lot of that you know i ended up bonding with a lot of people and having some drinks and just talking about cars it was like you know the closest thing i've had to a vacation in years it was awesome that's it's great. crazy that you say that it's like mike actually and he he's humble he won't say anything but like mike was one of the leads and one of the guys who really took put into place the 2018 one in atlanta and then um the, you know i did i did 2009 in san antonio with a small team and um god we've been to just about everyone i don't know i don't know how many i've been to but i know mike you've been to quite a few too and 
and it's been a family event, you know, uh, I, every time we go, it's just like you run, it's like you said, it's like a vacation, you run into family and, and it's, Brilliant. you know, there's not really jokers that, that kind of go and attend these things because you, people like invested their time, their vacation time. And, uh, you know, they took the time to put the pride into their cars to really present them for a national show. Um, oh, dude. Like, it, so like, you know, like I've, this is for the guys listening that live on the West coast. Like you guys go to West coast shows, like you go to JCCS, like that's cool and all. And like JCCS is sick, Well, that's what we have. Like go to the South. Like that is a totally different game. Like just looking at a couple of the, like the Z32 engine base, for example, like I don't know a single person that would go to that depth to make a VG30 look that good. Like most people out here, they just throw in a, a Jay-Z or an RB or something into it and just get rid of the VG. But no, like, like every bolt. Was, yeah, me and Mike both have engines on stands just for just spare VGs because you got to polish them while they're out. I mean, you got to stick yeah, them in. We literally have like there's. buckets and buckets of fasteners that were just, you know, when Cat you pull an plating, engine, you go get them brush. plated. Nickel. Yeah, like, like brand yeah, new. I know. Well, here in like the fame, you know, what I mean, like they're in like the like, what can I do to be in a magazine? How can I get featured? You know, and like a lot of that is really good, but a lot of that also is the bare minimum in comparison. And like the people of the South are so humble, you know, that I, I met out there, they're just so humble and they're just super passionate about what they do. Like they don't give a shit about any of that. Like they just did it specifically for them. Like their motivation was yeah. their passion, which is something that I'm not used to seeing out here, honestly. I don't mean to talk bad on my California friends because there's a lot of sick shit in California. You know, you know who you are. Yeah, <laughs> like that, that, that changed my whole life, dude. Like going down there and just like meeting our fan base, like in, in the South, in the U.S., dude. Like that was awesome. Like, I, I was just that took it took it away from me. And I got to meet, you know, uh, Amen. Mr. Tamura, Mr. GTR, uh, the head of his oh, wow. I got to meet, right. you know, John Cable, uh, her yep. son Kenny, who has Mr. KZ. Uh, right. Matsuo san the you know the designer What's for the original s30 the s30 yep was, yeah like anybody big that's in nissan anything like any club like magazine anything everyone was there and it was just in this little hotel next to this cool little strip mall on the river and it was just such a good it was crazy. It's like, you know, it's, you know, in our world, these Z-Cons, and I've been going to them so long, you kind of get, I don't know, um, you get complacent with it where you're like, oh, yeah, that's the designer for the, the Z just walking around, <laughs> no big deal. And that's the designer for the Z32, you know, just kind of walking around. You're just like, it, it's insane. Like, if you told that in certain people, like, in guys that like hardcore people in, in pockets of cities that, you know, they're a group of 10 and it's been the same group of 10 for the last 10 years, you know, these poor guys sitting there and you tell them something like that. And we're just like, dude, you got to come out to these events. So Z-Con's a really big deal. So That's I'm thing, glad dude. you had a chance to experience that. Yeah. Like I've been to a lot of shows out here, bro. And like, you know, I went to JI Pebble beach and like stuff like that, but it is, it is nothing like that. Like that was that. I, I don't know. Like everybody's sleeping on that. Honestly, if you've never been or aren't considering it, like you are sleeping. That was awesome. You're uh, <laughs> next year. Next year, I know there's. Uh, you know, just a plug for those guys. I mean, they're celebrating a really big year uh, next year a in Tennessee at the actual Nissan headquarters. Um, yep. So for those that aren't. Um, uh, in the know on that, you got to get up. I can tell you right now, the hotels are already sold out because it's going to be a stupid big year. But they're doing it at the Nissan headquarters. They're doing like plant tours. Um, I think they're doing a track day. It's going to be insane. Of their wives, everybody, like they just work so hard. They do such a good job. Like it's so legit. Like you guys are bad. <laughs> yeah. Are you? Um, you're. Uh, are you? The, you and the guys going to try to make it out to uh, ZCon twenty twenty? If nobody else goes, I'm going. And I hope they all get to go. Uh, we'll no, save you a hotel room. Yeah, we'll save you a spot. Yeah. Yeah. Is this, as soon as Chris is like, are you down in Tennessee? I'm like, yeah. yeah. It seems like in Tennessee, too, it's been like every 10 years they always return to Tennessee. And so, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I missed 2010, uh, the visit uh, convention in 2010. This one's going to be amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. And then you add in, you know, the whole element of this, and it's just like elevated. I, I love it. I love it out there. So I'm going to be probably getting a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah dude like i just i can't like i, I can't stay away from it <laughs> <laughs> well if you get the season two picked up you know you gotta they're gonna have to put you on that hollywood diet man you're gonna have to be uh 
going to have to either purge or you're going to have to, uh, you know, you're going to have to come up with something to get on the diet, man. Well, episode six ended, I lost about 50 pounds. Jesus. I've cut mostly all of that off. Like, I'm a lot thinner than I was on the show. Like, I think I'm doing all right. And now, you know, like I said, you know, I, I, you know, I think Mike, I can speak on behalf of, uh, you know, our fan base and, uh, and Mike and, and Isaac, I mean, the show's amazing. I think you guys are doing a great job. I really enjoyed it. You know, if you guys, yeah, if you get picked up for the second season, we hope you guys uh, have nothing but the best and we wish you all the success. And if there's anything we can do here on the show to help promote or or help do our part to, to make sure that that's a, a dream that you guys can keep doing, we'll definitely will. Well, the, the, the number one thing to do, and this is another thing I didn't really want to touch on, but like I will since we're talking about it and it's in context, like the people that were pissed off about, uh, you know, like we only do Nissans or we only do that. They left a negative review on like our Google thing for the business. I'm like, you don't realize that the show and that is different. They're not the same entity, but in that same respect, you know, like a lot of people will complain to us directly about the show. But we can't really do anything about it, you know. And so, like, the, the best thing to do would be to email, write, or, you know, talk to Motor Trend. And, like, if, if they get enough reach and they get enough, you know, people asking and being like, dude, what the hell, then they're going to do something. Got to have right. sort of hashtag so movement, bring back JDM Legends or something like that. Yeah. You know? Where the hell is my JDM Legends? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send them an email and be like, dude, we're tired of the reruns, bro. Like, stop spamming us. We'll just go like the old MTV thing. Like, I want my MTV. We have to demand it. There you so, go. Yeah, like, That'd be kind of cool. It just exists for me only. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, hashtag, I want my JDM Legends now. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have to start that as a movement. Oh, damn good. All right. Well, uh, Josh, I, I can't say it enough, man. Thanks for coming on the show and thanks for uh, taking some time to talk to us about everything that's going on in your world. And yeah, we wish you nothing but the best, man. I, uh, I, I'm so impressed that you took the time to kind of uh, speak with us here today. And, um, it's been a great honor just, uh, being around you. Obviously we'll, uh, we'll be able to see you in the flesh here around ZCon 2020 once this whole coronavirus drama lets up. Oh, dude, like, I, I appreciate you guys for having me. It's it's fun talking to, you know, enthusiasts and people that understand what's going on. You know, it's it's really nice. I, I definitely appreciate you guys. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks. Well, thank, thank you. you again for having us. Uh, that's been another episode of uh, Nissan Nerd Podcast, and uh, we'll stick around. See right. you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nissan Nerd Podcast, hosted by Miles Hall. Mike Delashman, and produced by Isaac Rogers. If you like what you hear, find more episodes and other content on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. Use the keyword Nissan Nerd or look for the links in our episode notes. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Write us a review, share with your friends, and provide suggestions for future content on the Nissan Nerd Podcast.